If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at MyGreenSolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of BSN Rockies. And on this episode of the podcast, I'd like to take some time to answer some questions here on a Facebook Live. I haven't done one of these in a little while, so it's good to see the audience back in, ready to go here. There's one major topic that I wanted to get into uh, stemming from the last game that we saw. And no, it's not really about the bullpen. I, I've got some quick thoughts on Jairo Diaz and you know, tough that the Rockies end up losing the series there when it was very much in their grasp. But as you all know, I've more or less moved on from the wins and losses and have been taking more of a look at what's going on on the diamond that will impact the future. And there was one thing in that series finale that stuck out to me as as a big talking point moving forward uh, that I want to spend most of my time on today. And, uh, you know, other than that, I I think I want to let the people here uh, decide which way the conversation is going to go. But I I will begin, since I said, like like I mentioned a moment ago, and it's going to be kind of brief here on Diaz. Adam, I agree, he looks a little bit gassed. And and I'm not concerned about the kid having blown his first save since being moved into the closer's role. 
He's been very, very good. He has been used a lot. He, he was pitching in his second inning. He had thrown a lot of pitches. And even then, he wasn't getting hit especially hard. There was some little tweener shots in there, and, and it really did get out of hand once Joe Harvey came in, uh, started walking dudes. But all told, was it great? No. Does it in any way affect the stock of Jairo Diaz? In my mind, it does not so while that was a frustrating way to lose a game and therefore the series you're looking again at a team that outplayed your Rockies a club that's in the hunt for most of that set despite not having their best starting pitchers and it just reminds you again that Rockies are a very good baseball team and when they play at their best they can beat anybody and (laughs) This kicking games away with individual performances does have to go away, but that doesn't mean you pile a guy who's never really done that this year for them and Diaz in with everybody else. That's that's not a fair thing to do. And so, no, you still have to take the wide-angle view of what Diaz has done this year, which has been very, very, very good. So let me get into the thing that I was looking at in this game, and it's because I brought it up actually as the game began. There was a play in the first inning where – It wouldn't have stood out. You wouldn't put a star next to it necessarily. But I believe it was Garrett Hampson going up the middle. He was playing second base in that one. Got a ball on a backhand. Turned. Threw across his body. It was going to be kind of a close play. But Ryan McMahon went out with a real long stretch. Got the baseball. And it... I'll say it. I'll start the conversation here. It gave me flashbacks of, if not Todd Helton, certainly of Justin Morneau, of the big, lanky, but still very athletic guy who can go out and get a little extra with his defense at first base. And I started talking to some of the reporters around me, and there is a split here. I am in the camp that I would like to see the Rockies do everything they can to make Ryan McMahon their everyday first baseman, largely for defensive purposes. I think it's really tough on Rockies pitchers and the left side of the infield and and on the second baseman, who are all trying to do everything they can to mitigate the Coors effect, the inverse Coors effect, Everything that goes on that we know is difficult about pitching at Coors Field and then and then all the extra stuff that comes with that. You got to convert as many potential outs as possible. Additionally, you've got players on the left side and Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story capable of making insane plays, getting to baseballs that other people aren't going to get to, unleashing throws from angles that other people aren't going to be unleashing. However, you mitigate a lot of that if the play can't be converted at first base. And it has cost the Rockies this year. It's cost them a lot more than I ever thought it would, but it has. And Daniel Murphy has his moments, but I don't think he's gotten better. And I don't think that at 33, he's going to become a... a, a plus defensive player anywhere, even at first base. And the notion that first base is somehow easy to play or somewhere that you just stick a guy, I think has been 
pretty well disproven to this point. And I might even argue that defense is more important for the Rockies at first than it is at second, where traditionally that would be quite silly. But if you can get a plus defender at first, and then we saw McMahon do some crazy stuff in that game. He saved two runs. There was a bases loaded, two outs. Robbie Cano hit a screamer at 109 miles an hour off the bat. Ryan McMahon took a step to his right, diving stop, got up, threw it back to the bag, inning over instead of two runs on the board, and maybe more if the next guy gets a hit. It's a play Daniel Murphy wasn't going to make. And in fact, the last three or four times I've seen Ryan McMahon in at first base, he's made at least five plays that Daniel Murphy wasn't going to make. And there were probably four of them in, in that game, and they were big ones. That one was huge. There was another one on a dig, on a throw, for, I, I believe Story came across with one. It got him on a little bit of a short hop. No, I think no, it, was, it was another one with Hampson. And he made, a, he made a really nice dig in the dirt. So, of course, this brings up a series of questions, right? Now, but before we get into how do you shift the roster around to make this work, and I see a lot of people already, Caleb, saying, you know, Hampson and Rogers at second. There's a lot of other things first to consider one of which the other reporters were saying to me McMahon has become very good at second base and his bat is coming along he's, he's now a 20 plus home run guy and he looks like a plus defender there so individually th th this is true right if you want to look at it this way individually Ryan McMahon in a vacuum is more valuable to you as a second baseman. However, <laughs> they don't play him in a vacuum. We don't live in a vacuum. The Colorado Rockies have to deal with the roster that they have and the unique situation that they have. And I see with Ryan McMahon a chance to, over the course of a season, give your pitchers a lot of extra size of relief. And that, I think, may be worth it to move him from second and see what Hampson and Rogers can give you there. The other interesting thing about Hampson and Rogers is they are this like perfect insurance for each other situation because with Rogers, you have a player with an extraordinarily high ceiling. And with Hampson, I believe you have a player with a pretty high floor. In fact, I think we've more or less seen Hampson's floor this year. And it's a 240 hitter who does everything else really, really well. Can play defense now at short, third, second, center, left. I don't know if they'd put him in right, but that's a lot of places you can count on him to at least be good defensively. And... There's a ton of speed there, as we've seen, and it causes problems anytime he makes contact. And he's going to force errors, so his batting average is going to, you know, not look quite as good as, as some of the ways he can give you value on offense. And in Rodgers, you have this other possibility, where if he can hold down second base, 
that's a guy who can potentially hit 20 to 30 home runs in Major League Baseball. So this other interesting thing has emerged. The Colorado Rockies haven't hit a lot of home runs this year. We're in the midst of this boom, the launch angle revolution, the juiced balls, and the Rockies, I don't know if you've heard this, stop me if you've heard this one before, they play at Coors Field. Now, Coors doesn't give up home runs the way it used to, and it's been, I don't think it's led the league in home runs, but once or twice since the implementation of the humidor, but it's still usually near the top. And you would think with the quality of the best hitters the Rockies have, all of whom do hit home runs, Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, and now a little bit David Dahl, if those guys are hitting their home runs, the rest of the club has got to be pretty bereft, if I may use such a word. And some of that's, you know, Hampson's a single-digit home run guy. Tapia's a single-digit home run guy. And I like their games, and I, and I think that they've got roles to play on this team, to be sure. But the, and then, of course, Walters is a one- or two-home run guy, and they didn't get much power out of Ionetta this year, and they did last year. I don't think you're counting going forward on getting a, a ton of power out of catcher. But this interesting thing happens where if you do move McMahon to first and Rodgers can play second, well, you've got two guys between them there who can average 25 home runs. And then, of course, you've got two guys on the left side who are going to hit over 30. You've got David Dahl and Charlie Blackman in the outfield, both of whom have got quite a bit of pop. And then you've got this other interesting battle between Rymal Tapia and now Sam Hilliard. I think Rymal Tapia is the, the better bet right now to at least cause some real trouble consistently with his bat. But if Hilliard really starts to show and takes off and proves he can play and you like the idea of keeping Dahl out of center to, to keep the wear and tear down and you like the idea of not being 24th in the league in home runs, all of a sudden with Hilliard in center and Rodgers at second base, you've got a 20 to 30 home run guy at every single spot except catcher. And you've upgraded your defense significantly from a year ago all without having gone outside the organization to make a single maneuver. But McMahon at first base could be the key to locking all of that in. And, and in my mind, what that means is not, okay, then the Rockies don't have to make any moves. It's, okay, now the Rockies can make all of their moves based around getting pitching help getting relievers or starters whether it's through free agency or trades whatever you need to do you can focus all of it on that assuming that you're going to line up roughly that way and if you're not sure about Hampson Hilliard or Tapia in center and you're worried about Dahl's injuries then you do need to I think explore going out and getting an outfielder in the offseason but the big <laughs> funny elephant in the room as i'm saying move ryan mcmahon to first base is that the rockies have a guy at first base right now and his name is daniel murphy and i've said before that they should try to trade him if they can and this is another big reason why because as much as i do think it made a lot of sense to bring him in 
hasn't worked out the way they wanted. It could next year. He could still be the hitting machine next season. In fact, there's there's a really good argument to be made going back to all of our stuff about Coors Field and you know the we we talked about in the Chad Bettis stuff specifically about how first year players can oftentimes really struggle to get the hang of the whole dynamic of going back and forth and once they do they really lock in and it's the second and third years that they're in Colorado where hitters who have been good in other places start putting up enormous numbers and I could see that happening with Daniel Murphy and I understand the temptation to hang on to a guy that makes that much contact in that park and if you do think you're going to get back to the postseason having somebody that's got some experience being there all of that said I just think the defense is too important and I think he's got value and there's got to be an American League team that would be willing to eat half of his contract and give the Rockies a a project reliever to take him to open up a roster spot a little bit of money and allow you to play Ryan McMahon in a position where his athleticism and defense and I'll even say leadership capabilities everything that he can do from that spot can change I'm, I'm telling you guys I know they lost the game but out there Sunday afternoon uh Sunday excuse me the days ago whenever it's an afternoon game I always assume it's a Sunday it was a Wednesday afternoon the Rockies looked like a completely different team defensively they were picking it slinging it McMahon was making every play at first base, and I I thought it made a huge difference, and I think over the course of a season it can make a huge difference for a team that can't afford to be given away extra outs, lengthening innings on their pitchers who already have an uphill battle to fight. Ryan McMahon at first base could be an extraordinary luxury for the Colorado Rockies, and they have guys who can play second. We'll, we still don't know if Hampson or Rodgers are going to be able to hit major league pitching. You never know that until they do it. That's just how it goes. But they can play second base. Hampson, I know for sure, can play second base. And Rodgers, I'm certain, is going to hit. So between the two of them, you've got a second baseman. You'll figure that part out. But I understand the desire to have the heir to DJ LeMahieu, and Ryan McMahon sometimes looks like that over there at second base. But he can be a major asset for this club in that spot and allow some of their allow you to get the most out of your best players like Story and Arenado and your pitchers Marquez Freeland Gray they're gonna love it they're, you're you're going to make everybody else on that team happier if you can make that move. And I think a similar thing goes for the outfield, but as I wrote the other day, and hopefully all of you got a chance to read it on bsndenver.com, that there's a new era at center field in Colorado no matter what. You're not going to see Ian Desmond or Charlie Blackman playing center field anymore. That's just not the case. And so it's as long as he's healthy, it's going to be dull. After that, it's a really interesting mix of candidates, of super athletes who can do some interesting things for you. Either way, your outfield defense is going to be better next season. I, I still think they need to make some philosophical changes. But if you do that and you make your infield defense better by moving McMahon to first and finding a new home for D- Daniel Murphy, you've dramatically improved your team 
before adding anything. You just got to rebuild your bullpen, he said, as though it was easy. Uh, and, while, and while you're rebuilding the bullpen, you can throw back some Breckenridge brews. Hey, I got to tell you about a new one out of the the official beer of BSN Denver. You guys are going to love this. The Colorado Core, if you're a cider drinker, you're going to love it. It's a, it's sort of a hybrid thing that they're doing. It's really fantastic. I've only got a chance to taste it uh, once or twice. I, I got to get a, a pack of them down there at the office. I think we've got a few. I got to try it out a little bit more. But if you like a little bit more of a cider here in the fall time, you're going to love the Colorado Core from Breckenridge Brewery. And if that's not your thing, make sure that you still check out the old standbys, you know, uh, the vanilla porter, the oatmeal stout. Strawberry Sky is still around. The summer is not dead yet. You can still get yourself a Strawberry Sky. Whatever you do, make sure you spend these last couple of days of watching baseball season, drinking some Breckenridge Brew from the our good friends over there. So, <laughs> and John says he's not a fan of cider, but at least it's not White Claw. So there you go. Uh, Colorado core, at least it's not white claw. No, I, it's, it's a lot better. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big cider guy though. So I do, especially in the fall time, fall time's a really good time to relax and, and have a nice cider drink. And so it's good stuff there. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Got a few questions I saw coming in here from the Facebook live. So we'll dive into a few of those. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge positive attitude work ethic and fun that their summer camps provide your child will want to play on one of their teams check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more Hey, you guys know that taking care of your teeth is pretty important, but did you know that you can get a free Sonicare toothbrush just for doing that? That's right. Our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are going to hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush just for scheduling an exam, x-ray, getting yourself taken care of. They've been locally owned and operated for over 40 years over in the Lakewood area. They'll talk sports with you. They'll take care of your teeth. They'll hook you up with a free toothbrush. Really, it's everything you could possibly need. So you're helping them out. You're helping us out. And you're helping yourself out if you check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Starting here with more of a comment than a question really from Caleb who says they cannot start the 2020 season with Brian Shaw on the roster. And 
You know, I, I've said a, a couple of times that they need to at least find a way out from one of the three contracts. Ideally, they'd get out from all three, but that's unlikely. A major win would be getting out from two of the three. But I'm also inclined to agree with you here that Shaw has to be at this point with the you know added option in there the vesting option where if he reaches a certain number of innings next year he'll automatically get paid another big chunk of change for the 2021 season like you just can't have that you can't be doing that and so it would very much be justifiable that at that point the Rockies would cut him at that just pay him to go away at that point especially if no one will trade for him and and i don't think anyone will you can try to sell some of his peripherals but i think it would be very justified for the colorado rockies just to say look here's we're gonna buy you out of the final nine million of this part and and let you go sign with somebody else but they can't allow that contract to vest they just can't so i'm with you there and so it has to at least be Brian Shaw, which means in that case, you've got to find a new home for one of those other two guys. And I think there's a possibility to trade uh, for Davis as well. And I don't think it's completely unreasonable that they could move on from all three, especially if they decide they like James Pazos or Philip Deal, or they decide that between Pazos, Philip Deal, and Ben Bowden, they've got a lefty. And so you're not getting any of the money back one way or another. I think they would be applauded by everyone if they just ate the contracts even. And it would be a bold thing for a team in this market to do. I wouldn't do it with Davis. Honestly, I wouldn't. With Sean McGee, it's easy for me to say it's not my money, obviously. But you're not getting it back, like I said. And... It would be brutal to pay two guys $18 million combined to go pitch, you know, for somebody else. Presumably, they could even sign against a National League team pitch against you. I hear a lot of people out there going, good, can't wait to bat off at Jake McGee and Brian Shaw. Fair enough. And and I wouldn't be that worried about that, right? I, I don't think any of us really would be. I think they would be applauded by the fan base, by the media, by everyone involved. It, it's a tough thing to do. But it's probably the right thing to do, to just let him walk. Now, I don't think you do it with Davis's $17 million, and it's not just the $17 million being on the one guy, but I think there's a chance you get something out of him. I've talked a little bit before, too, about how even if you can't, you bring him back next year. And, and this is similar to, like, the Ian Desmond problem in center field, right? Yeah, it, it was a big problem for the Rockies at times in 2019. Not going to be a problem for the Rockies in 2020. They've come out and said... He's not going to be our center fielder. Uh, it's going to be Dahl or these other guys. They've moved him to the corner at the very least. And I don't think there's a very high chance he's even going to be a starter. I think Ryan Tapia right now has a better chance of starting in 2020 than Ian Desmond does. These are things that are going to be different. But this is one we know for sure as well. Wade Davis will not open the 2020 season as the Colorado Rockies closer. I don't care how good a spring training he has if he shows up and does it, unless Scott Oberg's just not around. And even then, you know, I, I think they'd give much stronger consideration to several guys before having to give it to Davis. Diaz and Estevez, just the guys they have now, assuming zero 
acquisitions. It's not Wade Davis's job to lose anymore, which it fairly was coming into the season. But his resume also does suggest, and his age suggests, that he's still got some good pitching left in him, that he might be able to figure some things out. And pitching in less high-leverage situations, you know, where he'll have a net so that he can't just totally blow the game for you. So if he comes out and walks a guy or two, you can just get him out of there immediately, which you don't do as a closer. Then, you know, at some point partway through next year, then you can just cut him and have him go away. But he could rebuild some value and get you something in a trade, or he could rebuild some value and, hey, turns out now you've got a really good seventh-inning guy who, with his experience as a closer, it actually really plays up for you. I, I could very much see Wade Davis being a positive value for the Colorado Rockies in 2020, where I don't see that. I see a 1% to 5% chance of Brian Shaw or Jake McGee being good for the Rockies in 2020. I, there's like a 40 to 50% chance that Wade Davis could have a decent year next year. But especially given that he's just not going to be your closer. But if you can get something for him in a trade, you do it. Adam says, is Bettis really going to be back next year? I think he's going to be around. I think there's going to be a great big spring training invitational Colorado Rockies try. Everybody come down and try out for the Colorado Rockies bullpen. Uh, you know, they've got some questions that need answered. And the thing of it is, nobody's got a job locked up in that bullpen other than Scott Oberg. Nobody has a job locked up. And given that, they, they're going to need to see who can do what. Chad Bettis has a proven track record over the years of being able to handle Coors Field. Now, when he's been hurt or off, he gets crushed. And so I get it. People aren't necessarily excited about Bettis. But in a limited time of relief, he started to look really, really good before he got hurt. And the Rockies, in their search for pitching, can't be ruling guys out because of small sample sizes. Noel says there's just too many aging players in the bullpen that didn't really produce this season. That's exactly right. And one of the things about having younger guys is you can move on from them a little bit quicker if they're continuing to struggle in one way or another. And that's a little bit tougher to do with some of the vets. So I think Bettis is going to be around, and I think he's going to be valuable. I think there's a decent chance he's valuable anyway. I could see him winning. If I were to power rank right now, who I think has the best chance of winning the Rockies' long reliever job, and remember, we've got eight bullpen spots to fill, and somebody out there is going to need to pitch multiple innings. I think Chad Bettis is a great candidate to do that. Chichi Gonzalez and Tim Melville are going to be interesting challengers for that job. I could see Antonio Sensatella getting into that mix, especially if the Rockies go out and find themselves a starter. And Adam brings it up right here. Will the Rockies continue to use Hoffman as a starter or give him a look as a reliever? Jeff Hoffman as a reliever should be really, really intriguing, but he has to have the right attitude about it. And Jeff Hoffman, I don't think, has had the best attitude so far in his Colorado Rockies 
career. And I think there are times it can help you and times it can hurt you when you think of yourself as a first-round draft pick and kind of a you know, the, the main piece of the Troy Tulowitzki trade. And you, and you feel like, you know, hey, I've got 97-mile-an-hour fastball and a big hook, and, and, you know, why do I keep being stuck in AAA? But the results have spoken for themselves. And it's entirely possible that after getting – just straight up rocked at Coors Field a couple of starts ago. Hoffman had a real awakening moment and said, okay, I can't keep doing this. I've got to let my coaches change some things with my delivery. I've got to have a different attitude about it. And he's starting to find some success as a starter. And I do think the Rockies should bring him back to spring training again like all these other people. You can't be afford to kicking out, be, be kicking out pitchers with potential until you absolutely have to get rid of them these guys should all be in the mix for either the fifth rotation spot or the long reliever role but i do think if hoffman had the right attitude about it and said my path to staying in the big leagues is going to be becoming a shutdown reliever because my team needs that and i was talking about bettis a minute ago you know bettis was never thought of as a power pitcher he wasn't that he's he was a four pitch mix guy and a, and a guy who could outsmart you and he went to the bullpen, and all of a sudden he's pumping in 95, and he's beating guys with some strength and some power because you don't have to hold anything back. And I think if Hoffman took the right attitude toward it, he could do that but to an even higher degree because he could pump it up to 98, maybe 99 miles an hour. He could throw the curveball a lot more. He wouldn't have to save it. Guys have a really hard time hitting his curveball. Major leaguers, it's it's very tough. The problem is you just can't throw it every single time because eventually they will wait back on it. They'll let it fall into the dirt, whatever. They kind of sit on the fastball because it tends to find the middle of the plate eventually, and they unleash on it, and he gives up home runs on that pitch. But if he only had to come out and pitch in one or two innings and he could throw the curveball 40 to 50% of the time to really keep guys off it, make essentially turn every hitter he faces into a guesser, I think he could be extraordinarily valuable out of the bullpen, but if he doesn't want to do it and he and he mails it in and he doesn't have the right attitude, it's just going to hurt you. So it's it's up to him, but I could see Hoffman being anywhere from the fifth starter in the rotation to a key reliever to cut before the season starts. It's it's entirely up to him. And And there are a couple of guys on this team for whom that's the case. You know, there's some jobs to be won here. And there are jobs to be lost here as well. Next year's spring training is going to be big. But if you want to tell the, I mean, they've only got, you know, however many games left, about a week of baseball left to show the front office. Like, you don't need to go out and find a guy to replace me. And, you know, from a pitching standpoint, it's going to be tough to do that. It's going to be really tough to do that. I do think there's no way. Honestly, I, I, I don't think there's any way for anyone to pitch well enough for the Rockies to not have to seriously consider adding both starter and reliever pitching. Some combination thereof. It's got to be a strong combination of both, too. It can't just be, well, they want, I mean, unless they get Madison Baumgartner, then you don't have to do anything else. Beyond that, if you go and get Tanner Rourke, you still have to go get a reliever or two. And I like Tanner Roark, and I think it'd be great. And, and it does 
help the bullpen some because it slides guys like Sensatel and Hoffman kind of into that picture more. Fantastic. But you still got to go get at least one veteran reliever with some experience. And that's another reason why look, that you can afford to take almost nothing back in return for a guy like Daniel Murphy to get some money that you can throw at a veteran reliever because you have Ryan McMahon. Jake asked for my thoughts on Philip Deal. Uh, he's still pretty raw. I think he's got it in him to be a loogie, though, and I think the Rockies have shown they think that. They've had him going in there to face one guy at a time on purpose, get him used to that notion. Uh, he got a real weak rollover to third base one of the times, and, and he walked the guy the other time. That's the one thing you can't do. If you're going to pitch to one guy, and this is tough to get used to as, as someone who made his major league debut this year and has probably not done this much in his career. And at the minors, it's kind of a lot about getting reps. You don't face just one guy, but you have to get used to that. You can't walk him. You, you don't get one or two pitches to sort of feel out your stuff on that day, feel out the zone a little bit. You've got to come in ready to go. Pitch one out of your hand has got to be sharp and clean. And that's you know, that's that's tough to ask a rookie to do. But I think that the Rockies are seeing if, if, if he can do it, suggest that they they think he's got the mental capacity to make that happen and that he's got enough of that around the side because Pazos is very over the top. I like Pazos and I like his stuff better and his pitchability better, but I don't like his profile as a loogie as much as deals because deal is much more around the side and that's what's going to mess up the left-handed hitters more <coughs> excuse me <coughs> so noel says uh do i see freeland having a bounce back year in 2020 i do i absolutely do and i don't think he'll be as good as he was in 2018 and he may never be as good as he was in 2018 again but yes i think kyle freeland will be at the very least, a major league average pitcher next year. And that dramatically, dramatically changes things for the Rockies. And it's something that I feel like still doesn't get enough conversation. And, and I've said this before on the podcast, but it's worth repeating. And it, it's because you can't do as much finger pointing there. You know, as you want to make it about GMs or about managers or about overpaid veterans, but... The fact of the matter is, if Kyle Freeland pitches in 2019 the way he did in 2018, we're probably having very, very, very different conversations right now. He is an extraordinarily important cog in this machine, and I expect him to be back in place, to helping him back on track next year. And I think we're going to see some glimpses of it here at the end of the season. He's going to get back out there, throw a couple of innings, Show some command and control. Stay out low and away from the righties. Cut stuff in and cut stuff away from the lefties. But, yeah, I mean, he's, I, I don't, his career is not over. How about that? Kyle Freeland's going to pitch in Major League Baseball for a long time. Is he ever going to be great, great again? Well, that remains to be seen. That That's tough to predict. But he's a very good pitcher, and he's going to come back and, be a good pitcher for them next year. That's why it's so important they get the fourth and fifth rotation spots figured out and they get the bullpen rebuilt. That's why it's so weird to me that there are, are people talking about a rebuild and 
trading out Nolan Arenado. Now, trading Charlie Blackman makes some sense. As we've talked about with the defensive stuff before, you can really make yourself into a speed and defense team if you can get a good deal for Charlie Blackman and move him from right field and stick, say, Hilliard out there, Dahl and left, Hampson or Tapia in center, or Dahl in center and Tapia in left, and now you've got a great defense out there, but your offense definitely takes a hit. So there are ways to get creative there, I understand that. But beyond that, like the Rockies should be building with this core that they have, with Gray Freeland and Marquez, with Oberg Diaz and Estevez and a lot of other potential we talked about here, you know, Pazos, Deal, Bowden we haven't seen at the big league level yet, but you know, he's a very intriguing candidate, as are Tinoco and Almonte. Both guys, I think, can have big years next year. These are all guys on the upward swings toward the the primes of their career. Nolan Arenado still right in the middle of the prime of his career. Trevor Story approaching the prime of his career. Dahl, Tapia, Freeland, Gray, Marquez all approaching or right in the middle of the primes of their career. This is all good news, that, that, but that's why it's so important that they very quickly figure out these holes in the roster. I don't think there are as many as other people do, but I do think they're pronounced. You know, they're, 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 it's, it's not this big, huge thing where a bunch of people got to go. But because of the young players they have, they can literally afford to let several of these veterans just walk, just pay them to go away. No one's going, literally nobody will criticize you for doing this. Nobody will criticize you for just paying, especially the relief veterans. They're not going to do it with Desmond with two more years left on. They're not going to do it with Murphy. And they shouldn't. They should be able to get a trade for Murphy. They really should. But you pay these other guys to go away. You have an open competition of 25-year-olds who throw 96 miles an hour and see who sticks. Gets pretty volatile in bullpens anyway. But if you get your starting rotation in order, they can be as dangerous as anybody next year again without getting too crazy. They just got to get really smart about it. So we'll see what happens. I'll go ahead and wrap this one up here. Thank you all for hanging out today on the Facebook Live. It's been a fun conversation. Make sure you're following us on social media at BSN Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, whatever podcast app you happen to be using. Subscribe to bsndenver.com, and you can head over to bsndenvermerch.com to get yourself a super cool T-shirt or anything else that we may have there. I know we've got a couple other items other than T-shirts going on. I, can, I think there's a few hoodies and things like that. So it's winter season. Check out what we got. You may enjoy some of that. Other than that, all I can ask is that you continue to be absolutely awesome until Next time, I promise you, I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And then somewhere around in there, I will see you at the ballpark. Hey, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult still, or you just really like wine, you have to check out our friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club. It connects wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. 
But what makes them so special is that a majority of the wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you are also supporting real people making real wine and not those huge, large corporations producing all the wines that you see in those stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S., Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping costs. We especially love Weinster here at BSN Denver because they were founded by three CU Boulder alums. Sco Buffs. So sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R.